Well, this morning, we want to uh, just focus on gracious people. How many of you have ever met a gracious person? I'd like you to think about a gracious person. Think about who you'd think of as a gracious person. Go ahead. This is a participatory sermon this morning. (laughs) Picture them. Your wife. Okay, we got people talking here. All right. Okay. Okay, yes. Think of a gracious person. Even It might be even someone in your childhood. As you think back and you think, they were gracious. Okay, boy, the sounds are rising. All right, what did you see in them that left you feeling good? Did they listen to you? Did they take time to be with you? Did they help you? Did they go the extra mile for you? Did they seem to actually care about what you cared about? It's strange how we all can remember gracious people. So the title of our message today is Grace Wins. Whatever you are facing today, Jesus wants you to know grace wins. The entire New Testament could be summed up in one word, grace. In fact, our entire life could be summed up in one word, grace. Everybody take a deep breath. Let's go. I see some of you didn't take the deep breath. Now, come on. (laughs) You just received a gift. One more second of life. Yeah. Theologians call this common grace. The entire universe hangs together for one more second. You and I breathe. It's all a gift. Every second, every day, everything that hangs together, the universe, still breathing. It's pure gift. And that's the meaning of the word grace, gift. We also have theologians would also talk about saving grace. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9, the Bible tells us, New Testament, Paul is speaking. He says, for it is by grace that you've been saved. When he talks about saved, what does that mean? It means that grace has led you, gift, some kind of engagement with God, led you right to a door. And the door is the cross. And you went through, you decided, you thought about the door, you understood the door, somehow it all came into place, and you walked through the door, and now you're in some kind of a space, some kind of a zone, where somehow God and you are really close. Somehow he's there. He's very dear to you, and you're very dear to him, and it's all very weird. You're in a space, and somehow you know, no one can ever take this from me. It's finished. It's done. Wow. Yeah. I'm in this space with God, this grace space. And God, it says here in Ephesians, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Somehow I'm not just in a room. I'm invited to sit down at a table like a dad with his kids. And I realize, oh, that chair, that's for me. 
I get to sit in this chair? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I have a place at this table, a permanent place. I'm a part of this family. Wow. Yeah. Whoa, this is stunning. Yeah, we're seated in heavenly realms. I'm here on earth, but I'm also somehow in this room, and I'm seated at a table with a beautiful father. And this was done in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Riches. Riches have to do with ability. What is money? It gives you ability. Somehow the riches, God is here with abilities, moments of ability. And he is here and he is determined to expand you bigger than you. Yes, a life bigger than what you could have imagined through this these touches of grace and gifting. Yes. We've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's gift. Jesus said, it is finished, meaning paid in full. He paid for it. He earned it. You and I could never earn this. And he comes to us and offers it to us, and we get to choose. And God says, okay, now in this room, we're on an adventure. Yeah. We call it, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. I like the word adventure. You know, it's like Jesus, guys. He's standing here, and he's got this, uh, he's got this football. He's throwing it in the air, and he's saying, okay, guys. All right, we're going to have a fun game here. Are you ready? <laughs> the ladies, I've got this card for winners, free gift. <laughs> we go shopping together, an adventure. I'm kidding. Um, I'm sure the girls would play football just as well as the guys and all the rest of it. <clears throat> um, the guys can also enjoy winners, I must admit. Um, so now we're on to this adventure into grace. Grace wins. And we're learning as we walk down this path of grace, we're learning what grace looks like, tastes like, feels like, sounds like. Yeah, we're discovering the tangible thing about grace. We're discovering that grace can be beautiful and at other times strange and challenging. We're going to see all the depths and heights of grace on this journey, both the mountains and the valleys. Yes, this is going to be a journey of a lifetime, the journey of grace. And yet the message is the same. Grace wins, even in the valley. Grace wins. So over the long haul, what does this look like to be on the adventure? It means becoming gracious with yourself. It means learning to rest, rest. It means connecting with those who want grace. So first of all, it means becoming gracious with yourself. So here in this journey, as we move along, it means that we, are, we all have rough edges. 
everybody has rough edges. Brian Headley will be working on himself until the day I die. No shame. I can talk about it. This morning my wife pointed out, oh, you, you, this shirt, you've got some food that you dropped on the shirt. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice. But now everyone I talk to today will be looking for those spots on my shirt, won't you? <laughs> All right. Grace, I could talk about it. I am generous with myself as I move, as we all move along this journey, we're becoming more and more generous with yourself. I said generous. What does that mean? Less and less punishing of myself. Less and less poking myself if I blow it. Less and less jabbing of myself. No, less and less and less. I come to the place where I'm actually, when I make a mistake, I'm learning to laugh at myself. You know what laughing at yourself feels like? I hope we can all find those moments when you're actually laughing at yourself. You did it again, you sweet old thing. Um, Okay. Most people who have self-worth issues are carrying a degree of shame from childhood. And shame is not about, it's different from guilt. Shame is about put-downs about your worth. It's all about your worth. And shame is like dirt. And we can have picked it up, we can have put it on ourselves as a kid. But our journey as we move along this path of grace, we're getting rid of that dirt. We're getting rid of it. And God is raising up this beautiful, what I like to call the pearl. That pearl of great price. Raising up your identity. The real you. That beautiful you that he saw and formed Before you even entered this world, he saw you. He fashioned you. And then you went into the mud and you were raised up. You came into this earth and this earth is full of all kinds of stuff. And he is determined to wash it off and raise up that you that I have determined as it rises. That you is a light in the world. All right, so I'm not aiming for perfection I'm aiming to love. That's my focus as I walk along this path. It's not about living a sinless, perfect life. No, it isn't. Shock. If that's a shock, let the shock hit you. Yeah. Jesus did not say, keeping the law perfectly, that's the the completion of the law. He said, love. Love was the fulfillment of the law. What that means is this. I am learning to love. I am learning to engage in a hearty, courageous, uh, sensitive kind of loving. And as I walk along this path and I'm learning to love, guess what? I glance back and I notice, hmm, Brian Headley is changing. Yeah, some of those rough edges are getting softer. Actually, I'm becoming more whole. Yeah, interesting. Becoming more wholesome. Love changes me. Yeah. Those who are caught up in perfection, they are cycling around in some kind of a a sad drivenness. Grace leads us out of that to love, discover how to love. Secondly, now, love changes me. I just want to point out, uh, I remember a story that Phil and Pam Dugan shared here on January the 1st. It was a beautiful little story. And Phil gets up in front of us, if you'll recall the story, and he says, 
Yeah, I'm a hard-nosed lawyer, uh, I just got to tell you. And I'm out here with my daughter, and we're driving around, and uh, she, in a, in a shopping area, and she ends up talking to a lady, a one-legged lady, and finds out she just got out of prison. And then my daughter gets in the car and says, Dad, I think we ought to help that lady. But, you know, I'm a hard-nosed lawyer, and basically, you know, she'll be fine. You know, my goodness, we got things to do. So on we drive home. I hope I'm giving this story uh, you know, an adequate representation here. Uh, so anyway, they drive home, and, and but Grace, Grace has touched Phil. And he gets home, and he talks to Pam. And they get gyrating on this and wrestling with it. And finally, they've got to get back in the car. And they get back in the car, and they drive out looking for this lady. Drive all over, and finally, they find the lady. And they meet her and talk to her. Can we help you? Yes, I need to get to a bank. Okay, bank? Yeah, yeah, she's got money, I guess, in a bank. Take her to the bank. She has got money. She goes and gets money from the bank. I need to get to the ferry. Can you drop me at a bus stop? Well, we'll take you to the ferry. Grace is moving. They drive her to the ferry, and on this drive, they have beautiful conversation. They get there. When they're there, she calls up her dad on her cell phone. She says, Dad, guess what? I'm with two angels. Yeah. They have a lovely prayer with her. And grace, 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 grace has moved. Beautiful picture of grace. The one-legged lady, Phil and Pam, that's one picture of grace. But another picture of grace is Phil himself standing in front of us saying, I'm a hard-nosed lawyer, and I just got to tell you... And this is what happened to me. <laughs> and Phil is standing here unashamed, dressed in grace, not ashamed. I'm moving down the journey of grace. And I'm very convinced that Jesus is standing right there with Phil, right there, with his arms outstretched, saying, Yeah. Do you hear him, folks? Do you hear me? I want you all to join Phil and I on the journey of grace where you're not ashamed. You can talk about your stuff. I'm here with you. Join us. Yeah. Secondly, the adventure of grace is about learning to rest, to be still and know that I am God. Here in this is where we pause and drink in the beauty and goodness of God that is all around us. Here we discover beautiful grace in the stories Jesus told, in Paul's writings, in the Word. We discover food, lovely food. And Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, whatever is beautiful, noble, those noble stories, whatever is pure, clean, right, admirable, think on these things. Think on what God's doing. In this moment of rest, and the peace of God will be with you. See, here we become in these moment of rest, in this rhythm, the rhythm. We, have, we work, and then there's this rhythm where we also rest. We pause, and we're still. And in this moment, we are washed. Yeah, the dust gets washed off. Our eyes begin to see more clearly. Our ears begin to hear more brightly. And we are being washed by a lovely presence. Rest is crucial to grace. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because that's where your heart gets cleansed. 
awakened, reawakened, refreshed, re-prepared, beautifully softened, freshly listening for the moments of grace that are coming. Yes, Jesus said, unless we become like little children, we will not see, sense, or engage with the kingdom in any given way. Is that a slight spin on what you might have heard? Jesus said, unless we become like little children, we will not enter the kingdom of God. I'm very convinced what he meant was, unless we somehow in our day keep that heart fresh, we will not see, sense, or engage with this kingdom when it's right in front of us. That's what's going on. I mentioned this, uh, we had a lovely conversation with... uh, a fireman. He's a retired fireman, a guy named Perry. I don't know if Perry's here this morning. Uh, I did tell him I'd tell his story. So, And Perry, uh, uh, we got into this conversation about childlikeness and this heart of a child. And Perry said, well, you do need, uh, you need convictions. You know, you also need uh, courage at times and values. Uh, you know, it's uh, not just uh, being a child. And I said, yeah, Perry, I agree with you. I do agree. You do need backbone." But the body that we live in also needs a heart. Hmm. We chewed on this a bit more. Then Perry said, you know, this reminds me of an incident that happened in my life. It was when I was applying to be a fireman. I'd gone through all the tests, all the physical tests, passed them all, and now there was just one test left. I met with the captain, and he sat me down, and he asked me one question. He said, Perry, if you were overseeing a unit, you had 12 guys in the unit, and you had this, suddenly you were, you were presented with a, uh, uh, a shortage of funds. That was sort of had to be a downgrading of the team. Somebody had to be let go. And Perry comes down to two guys. And one guy is very skilled. He is technically right there. He's way up there. That's one option. The other option is a guy that is definitely he's functional. He does his job. He does it well. And he's got a real, he's, this guy's got a heart, a big heart. Perry, which guy would you choose to let go? Which guy would you keep? Perry said, I'd keep the guy with the heart. And the captain says, right on. You're hired. Go to it. What is going on here? This is what's going on here. When we enter a burning building... It's not just about technical expertise. It's about we are a team. We want people that have their eye on each other. And we are together. And that heart is watching and listening. Powerful. To me, that's just a beautiful story of the Christian life. Because we're not called to walk alone. This journey of grace is about hearts that are alive and in touch, and we walk together. Walk together as a community, as friends, as partners, never alone. So rest is our lifeline. Thirdly, the adventure of grace is about connecting with those who want grace. And who are they, these people that want grace? I'm convinced they come in all shapes and sizes. I remember um, my niece, I've had a 
beautiful relationship with her over the years. She's now uh, dying of an autoimmune disease. I say dying, but she has outlived every prediction for her life. And uh, she has lovely children, three lovely children who love her very dearly. There's, her, there's my niece, Stephanie. And uh, Stephanie and I had a beautiful moment when she was 10 years of age. I was babysitting and I uh, was just uh, tucking her in at night and saying goodnight. We prayed a little prayer. And for some reason, I just thought, I just felt to ask her, Stephanie, have you ever invited Jesus to come and live in your heart? And I could tell she had never heard of this. And so we talked about it. And we prayed that simple prayer. And this day, Stephanie thanks me for that moment of grace that opened a door for her that she's never forgotten. I also remember another situation where I was a young pastor in a uh, traditional Presbyterian church back east, my first church. My wife and I were there, and uh, I'm the youth pastor. Great. And this little old couple, I say old couple, you know, maybe seniors, who knows. I'm a senior, so I can talk about it. Um, they invited me for a cup of tea. So I said, great, you know, I'll sit down and have a cup of tea with them in their living room. We get talking about their experience of church, mine, and come to the place of saying, you know, at some point in my journey, somebody asked me this key question that really hit me. And the key question is, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you'd go to be with God in heaven? And they looked at me, and I realized this was new. So I asked them the second question. If you were to die tonight, and you were to stand before God, and he were to say to you, why should I let you come and live with me forever? What would you say? And they kind of said, well, I, 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 I hope. I hope that God would be merciful. Uh, I believe he would. I, I think he would be merciful. I, I think I've, I, I, I tried to live a decent life. Wow. So we talked about this. And um, finally, I asked them the question, would you like to receive this gift? And they said, yes. Then I did something that I've, I've never done before, but I said, why don't we just slip off our chairs and kneel on this floor and invite Jesus to give you the gift? And they said, yes. Slid off. We knelt on the floor, invited Jesus in. Beautiful. Next Sunday, another couple asked me for a cup of tea. <laughs> 27 cups of tea later, 27 homes. 27 couples slide off their chairs on the floor, inviting Jesus to receive, give them this gift. <laughs> and I am just stunned, like, whoa. I feel like I'm just stepped into some stream of water and it's just flowing. I thought I was here for the youth. Wow. Grace brings us to that place of rest. Rest. So what does it take to connect when you think about this 
engagement with grace. It takes an openness, a willingness to find those that are (laughs) hungry for grace. It takes a willingness to be a friend. Yes, your openness, your willingness. It takes a willingness to listen. You know, if we've walked into places like restaurants and you see five people at a table, they've all come, obviously, to connect with each other. Yeah, and how many of us have seen it? They're all on their cell phones. (laughs) Yes, oh, it's wonderful meeting with each other and playing our cell phones. Listening is a lost art in our culture today. I cannot tell you this. I don't know how to say it. Marriages, listening is critical. Personal relationship, it's critical. A willingness to listen. A willingness to affirm. I remember sitting in a bar in northern, northern BC. I'm sitting there with a man. I'm waiting for some chicken burgers that my wife and I ordered. We went up there for a, a wedding. I'm sitting in the bar waiting, waiting, waiting. 25 minutes, still waiting. This guy's sitting there beside me with his drink. And so I start talking to him. And he says, yeah, he says, I've got a cottage up here, a house up here, and house down in the mainland. And semi-retired, and I said, wow, that must feel pretty good, eh? I mean, you've, what you've, you've accomplished a fair bit here. You must feel good. Affirmation. The guy turns to me and said, I could never feel good. Never. I said, oh, wow. And he leans over and he says, you don't know what I did as a young man. I said, oh. What, what happened? And he said, I was part of a mercenary army in Africa. And we did things that I cannot even talk about. Chicken burgers still are not coming, and it's now about 45 minutes. I am just totally suddenly aware this is a God moment. And we end up talking about this cross that waits for him. We engage, I share. I leave him in the presence of the living God with that invitation. I don't push him, shove him, no. I just leave him there, faced with it, the cross. Leave him with those thoughts. Leave him my phone number. I'm here if you want to talk further. I walk out of the bar as I'm walking down the steps, a strange thought comes to me, just a word. Last call. And I thought, what? I actually stopped and thought, what? Last call. What hit me, and actually what came out in the conversation, is that this man is still selling, he's working part-time, he's selling arms to gorillas in different parts of the world. And God Almighty set up this moment, and this is his last call. He is about to leave this world shortly, and somehow this is a moment in which the Almighty God met him and spoke and laid it out. Grace. Grace can catch you in the strangest places. If your heart's awake, Somehow, you'll step into it. 
So the two quick questions, we don't, again, we don't force people. Um, uh, we're here to just allow them to wrestle with this, this beautiful grace. And at the right time is right, ask them the key questions. And the key questions are, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you would go to be with God in heaven? And second question, which helps to clarify what they're really holding on to in some kind of a work, trying to work, be good enough for God. If you were to die tonight and you were to stand before God and he were to say to you, why should I let you come and live with me forever? What would you say? And it's surprising how people will simply say it. And that gives you a place to be able to engage and to share this cross. And what I like to do when I'm at that point with people, um, and this is something that, again, I've picked up along the way, is to be able to say, you know, it's like, it's like uh, here's what happened with Brian Headley. God was looking down at Brian Headley and saying, hmm, Gabriel, come here for a minute. Gabriel, I want, I want you to write a book on Brian Headley's life. Okay, I want you to write a book. And Gabriel says, okay, Lord. And Gabriel, I want you to write down every sin he sins. Uh, even to the very, we, we know the end from the beginning. So every sin he sins, right to his last breath. Okay, write the book. Okay, Lord. So Gabriel writes the book, and there it is. Brian Headley, let's say Brian Headley lived an amazing life. Sinned only three times a day. I'd, I'd really be pretty close to Mother Teresa, I think, in that case. Um, I'm joking. Um, but let's say a thousand sins a year. And let's say I pass out of this world at 85. Whoa. So here's my book. 85,000 sins to the last breath. And God says, now, don't forget that last moment. Uh, he's on his deathbed. The nurse comes in, and she misses a vein, and it hurts, and he muttered something. Didn't he mutter something there? That's, that's that last one before he left this earth. Yes, the last one. We got it? Yes, got it all. Every single sin, 85,000, here it is. Now, what happened on this cross? Jesus is hanging there, and the Father says, give me his book. And he lays it on Jesus. And he says, give me Dennis's book. Give me every book in this room. Give me every book of every person. I'm giving them to Jesus. And Jesus on that cross cries out one word, a key word. He says, it is finished. It's actually a word that was put on bills at the bottom of a bill at this time. It means paid in full. Paid in full. And he dies under the weight of that. And that is now like a bank account, some amazing bank account. And God now comes to each one of us and meets us and says, I have a gift for you that someone has paid for. Do you want it? It's an adventure into grace. And you'll be amazed how many people that, that can be a helpful picture of uh, something that is there for them. Um, a doorway and a life, an adventure, a place of rest. And so here we are. The adventure of grace God is inviting us all into this place. 
He's excited. He is excited for you. You're going into the mountains. You're going into the valleys. But the message is the same. Grace wins. My grace will win here. So let's bow. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for, thank you for your word. Thank you for your life. Thank you for this adventure that you are leading us into. Thank you for the sweetness. Thank you for your embrace, even in the valley. Thank you that you are here and you are leading us home and we're going to live a life that's bigger than what we could have ever imagined because of your lovely grace. And so today, Father, we just surrender. We surrender again. Yes, take us and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.